Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. Here's my daily update for today. And I, again, um, because of this nonsense I'm doing off to the side, the schedule is going to be a little bit iffy. However, I'm committed to doing the one episode per day, just that this week, it may be a few hours delayed as I have to wait for the lunch break on this nonsense. And then starting next week, it'll be in the afternoon. So I'll have a much easier time getting it done in the morning. And if something changes, I will let you know in that update as soon as I know. But in today's update, I don't have a significant amount to cover. I want to cover a couple of key points that I think seem to be of interest to listeners out there. Top of the list is the state of cryptocurrency as it pertains to various aid programs. So you heard the Biden administration talking about potential new aid. Um, you may have heard about the, you know, the tornadoes that are hitting on the, in the Midwest. Um, a lot of damage was done. A lot of people were harmed. And so it reinforces what I've been saying about the potential use and support of cryptocurrency to help these people as opposed to just increasing the tax bill for everybody ad infinitum. I'd rather take the time to really understand how cryptocurrency could help this. When I say help this, I'm saying that you can generate wealth via cryptocurrency, but you also can use crypto to support investments into different programs that help people that were affected by situations like this. This is a perfect opportunity to have some sort of a crypto program where the proceeds can go to help those who have been damaged by this situation. And it's kind of a, a source of crowdfunding, if you think of it that way, that because of just your regular investment in a token, you just buy into a token, so you're going to get value out of it anyway. But your investment, the funds, then go to benefit people who have been displaced or damaged or injured by these types of events. Why is that not a better approach to try to handle things like this when they happen, as opposed to what our current administration wants to do, which is to say, well, that's why we need to tackle climate change, deep, 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 and, and say we need to increase tax bill. Why aren't we using cryptocurrency for good and we can actually benefit people who buy in and incentivize them to do so? And you're helping your fellow man while you are also benefiting. Why is that not an optimal world? I challenge you guys to tell me how we could not or should not be thinking along that vein so that's just some food for thought as you if you look at the news and you see what's happening to those people it's really not ideal but you also think of the net effect which is fema and the other organizations it's more money more money more money more money and then what does that happen to you that's tax bill tax bill tax bill instead of why aren't why aren't people creating coins that actually can support funding these types of things on an ongoing basis and then you as an investor can buy in so you're speaking with your wallet, but you're also helping your fellow man. And on the back end, you benefit by way of the value increase. Now, of course, the volatility comes into play, but I believe, and maybe I'm naive, but I believe that if people are incentivized to do a thing, they will do a thing. And if they know it's going to a good cause, they're less likely to cash out en masse. You're still going to have the whale scenario, but I don't think it's going to happen at a major level to where it's going to completely take a token that is properly managed registered as a business and handled as if it was a true business that's trying to help people that are in need. I just think this is a key opportunity that we're overlooking. And I hope at some point somebody listens to the podcast who does create a coin and spoiler alert, at one point I will create a coin, but someday somebody will spin up and say, you know, we could use crypto to help solve this problem and use it as kind of like a crowdfunding source for revenue to help these people when they need it. So just one of many opportunities again, that could be used to, do good in crypto that I don't think Congress is even thinking about it. They're not thinking they're too busy trying to lock it down and not trying to say we can use this for good. So we shouldn't lock it down. We should empower it 
and we should funnel money to support it and laws that are smart laws to protect people that invest in it. On the other side, uh, SafeMoon launched its V2 yesterday. Now, if you don't follow SafeMoon, and I am an investor in SafeMoon, but my stake is so small, I don't know that it matters to even do the conversion, but they have a swap tool. It's the same swap tool they've always had, but they enhanced it to allow you to upgrade to V2. Now, it's going to cost you some money if you want to do the upgrade. They say four to five bucks, but basically it's whatever that charge is from that swap based on whatever BNB's the cost of network fees at that time. Now, you do have to set slippage at 12%, and if you don't understand, I talked about slippage basically, but slippage essentially is there are various fees, there's price fluctuations, and all these things that the tool can't account for. Slippage is you saying, I'm willing to lose a little bit of this in order to make sure the transaction goes. So you're going to lose out a little bit. Even though they say we don't charge a fee, essentially you're charging a fee because you're doing the swap by way of the swap mechanism as opposed to the way EarnHub did it, which is go ahead and stake them and then we'll swap them for you, which was no cost. So I'm not a fan of the way SafeMoon did it. However, they did it the way they did it, and it is what it is. And I'm not trashing the team. I'm saying that I think they should have used the staking method. Even though EarnHub had some hoops, it didn't cost you anything to do the EarnHub method as opposed to SafeMoon, where you're paying, albeit a small amount, you're paying to get this new token, and you're basically forced to because if you don't do it, your token's going to become worthless. Again, my stake is so small, I don't know that it makes any sense for me to swap because when I did do a quote, basically my stake, my amount of tokens drops dramatically because they've decreased the token supply with V2. Now, the amount of decrease was not substantial, but I'm never a fan of decreasing the supply, and it's something I want to talk about the DYR token, uh, token team about because I know they're decreasing supply. Um, there were others that talked about decreasing supply. I hope Satama doesn't start thinking about doing that and other ones because I understand why they do it. I just don't think it's the right answer. I think the psychological effect is starting to be lost on people of how that makes sense. So if you're going to do the swap, just understand it has a lower token supply, which means that your stake isn't going to go as far as you think it will. And, you know, your your basis is still the same. So if you're in for $1,000, you still have $1,000 equivalent just that, the number of tokens is going to be decreased dramatically in your perception versus somebody who has a dollar or two, and then you're paying $5 in gas fees. It may not make sense for those people. So do take a look at the tool. It's swap.safemoon.net. If you want to go in there, you need to connect your wallet. And once you connect your wallet, it'll show you your stake, and then you select SFM, which is the new token's name, as the destination token, and then your it's called Moon, I believe, in the, in the from. And then just put in the max, and then it'll spit out, okay, here's how many tokens you'll get. But you're still going to have to set the slippage to actually do it. Just understand you're going to be charged on the gas fees to actually do it because you're actually you're actually sending the token. You're actually doing a conversion in a sense. You're, it's like you were trying to convert one BNB token to another BNB token directly by way of the swap, and they just set up a swap pair or liquidity pair to do it. So even though there's... The liquidity pair, you still have to pay gas fees because you're doing a transaction on blockchain. That's why I said that the staking method would have been better to avoid the need to do that transaction than just sell them on the back end, irrespective of you. If you want to do that, take a look at it and see if it makes sense for you. Um, but that is live. That went live yesterday, V2. So um, if you are going to buy in, you would you would be strongly recommended to buy in on the V2 as opposed to V1 at this point. Um, and then the other part on Safe Moon is that they are launching the Safe Moon 
uh, wallet updates. So there's a lot of changes on the SafeMoon wallet. I'm not a fan of individualized wallets. I believe that the wallet should be independent of the tokens. However, if they have certain compelling features, then it is something I will cover um, because I don't have a significant enough stake in SafeMoon. I'm not sure if I'll be able to yet. However, my plan is to have more of a stake in SafeMoon now that I see that they've gotten past most of the hardest parts of their transition and kind of go in probably in Q1, January, look at it, buy a stake, and then I'll evaluate the wallet. And if it makes sense, great. Same with Cytomask. I will evaluate them if I see that they have benefits outside of individual holders of your token, right? That's what I'm looking for is that we are benefiting the whole community, not just our own token folks, but more than just ourselves. So take a look at Safe Moon, and if you're not into Safe Moon, I do think it's a good buy. It's just one of those that's been beat up by various issues. It seems like there's always some sort of issue happening every time you turn around, and so I've largely kind of waited for the dust to settle, you know, and that's meant that I've lost a lot. I've not been able to benefit from the dropping of the zeros and the success that they have gotten through, but I was willing to miss out on that and just treat it as a medium risk investment as opposed to you know, kind of doing a YOLO early on because of the hype. I didn't fall for the hype, and I rarely do. That's Safe Moon. And then the other one I want to talk about today is another DAO, DAO, um, Decentralized Autonomous. So this one is called Klima. And the reason I'm covering Klima is because I want you to understand this one is a fork of the Olympus, which I covered before. But I want you to understand, this is on the Polygon Network, how this is starting to become a thing. And the reason I'm talking about it now is because I think it's just going to get more steam and take off even more, and you're going to start seeing more of these DAOs show up. So from an investment perspective, your thought process needs to shift a little bit. Almost every single one of these DAOs is a rebase token, and I talked about rebase token on a previous episode as well as um, one distant past. But because they're rebase tokens, it means you're going to have to, if you do invest in these, you're going to have to start caring less about how many tokens you have and focus more on your individual investment amount. How much money did you put into that coin versus this one? That's going to have to start mattering more to you because in a rebase token scenario, the number of tokens doesn't matter as much. It's constantly adjusting up and down according to all these different factors that are in play according to what the token's doing. In Klima's case, they tried to peg it rather than peg it to a currency they tried to peg it to carbon and carbon credits. There's a whole slew of detail behind this thing, and I'm not going to bore you with this today. Do your research. Read up on it if you're interested in it. Suffice it to say that when you think about the idea of carbon credits and you think about the idea of climate impact and you think about when I gave the, the information earlier about how cryptocurrency can be used to help when there's a crisis or to aid people or to help poverty, these using it for these fundamental purposes that benefit more than just ourselves, right? That's what Klima is trying to be involved in. And that's why I'm bringing to your attention that I think it's one that should be worth a look, even if you don't buy it, but at least read what they're doing and try to understand what they're doing. And if you do take that risk and buy into it, remember it's on the Polygon network, which means you're going to need to um, invest in the Polygon side. And the Polygon side does have some scammy and scummy stuff going on. So you're going to really need to make sure you protect yourselves. Don't just buy into it just because you see the price movement going significant one way or another. Make sure that you do strong research on this guy. It launched in November. 
it had an initial spike up to 16 grand. Don't let that sway you too much because all of these rebase tokens have wide, sometimes unrealistic, illogical price sways. And you can't let that trick you into thinking that it's more than it is. Your stake is your stake, but it doesn't matter how many tokens you have. It matters how much money you put into it. When you start embracing that thought process, it gets a little bit easier to understand exactly what that's doing so that you can figure out how much money you're willing to put into a given project and then just let it grow and understand you can't really trust what the graphs are telling you in terms of how much money you might have in there. It's weird. Um, but once you get in it, it starts to get a little bit easier to understand what they're trying to do. It's, it's almost the same thing as if I had a mine, like a physical mine in my backyard and it turned out that there's a, a gold, you know, uh, layer in the mine that you discovered one day and then you wanted to kind of estimate it to figure out how much you can get for it. And you come across a gold collector and you say, look, I got some veins of gold in my backyard in this little mine. And they say, all right, tell me how much is there. And you're like, I don't know. I have no idea. I know how much the land's worth and how much I paid for it, but that might not be representative of gold's right intrinsic price. So this person comes out to your site. They do an assessment of the vein. You don't know if they're going to rip you off. You assume they're giving you a fair price because you don't really know. You'd have to do your own research on multiple levels, get multiple quotes, and it eventually comes back and says, you know, I'll give you 500 grand for this mine, and then I'll own it free and clear. Well, the problem is that if you were to say, okay, 500 grand today, do, 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 let's do it, then the next day that gold could double in price. And so now you got ripped off $500,000 just because the price of gold fluctuates on a constant basis. That's what rebase essentially is. You can't pin down any one price because things are constantly moving in terms of the value according to what fiat's doing. Because gold, by and large, it's not pegged to it, but fiat is used to transact to purchase and or sell gold. It's usually fiat-driven of some, whichever country. So when you're trying to look at a project like this that's pegged to carbon and carbon credits, it creates a compelling use case for when we do these things that are designed to help climate change and clean up the environment and, you know, the decrease in carbon emissions and all of these different elements that we're trying to do right now in society, it means that your money is actually going towards a very good cause, but you also stand to benefit significantly on a lot of this price, on a lot of this movement um, in these different technologies. So there's a strong opportunity if you do want to consider getting into something like this, do a research on it, make sure it makes sense for what you're trying to do. But certainly make sure you wrap your head around what they're trying to do. And I would argue they don't do a good job of explaining it, to, to be perfectly fair. They don't do a good job of explaining it. However, if you're able to wrap your head around it, you, I think you'll agree that it does have a compelling case. And it is definitely something that is worth your time to look at. Now, I'm going to warn you, and this may be a red herring, but I'm going to warn you so that if you are invested like I said, make sure you moderate your investment so you mitigate your risk. There are reports from in the tools called DexTools.io, and DexTools has a window for all the different tokens that are out there regardless of network, and it tells you where it can. If there's anything that, it, that causes it concern as far as the token is concerned, one of the things that it will flag you is if it sees that there's something going on where the developer is taking liquidity out or they're making sales, when it's a token that's not renounced, meaning that the developers still own it, essentially, 
And that means that, yes, you could have situations where the developers are cashing out. It's not a problem unless they're cashing out big bags. Like if you got $11 million in, in the liquidity pool and you see the developers cashing out like a million and then another million and another million, okay, that's a, that's a bad thing because at some point the liquidity pool is going to be drained and then you're not going to be able to transact anything. And then you get stuck with a worthless token. So Dex Tools does a good job of showing you where that might apply, but it might not be a big deal as long as they're not cashing out huge amounts of, of the money. You do want to see renouncing, but renouncing is challenging when you're trying to get on an exchange. So sometimes they can't do it right away. And sometimes they need to use that money to actually get on the exchange. So I'm saying to you that just because a dev withdrew money is not a bad thing. It depends on how much money is withdrawn, at what period of time, and at what cadence. All of that's something you're going to want to set, assess before you buy into the token. Just do the research. DexTools.io, it does a great job of showing you that information in its trade history window so you can make an informed decision and try not to get ripped off. And then that's all I got as far as tokens today. But I do want to talk about one brief mention. I, I covered Unminable on a previous update, and all I want to say here is that if you weren't aware, if you are on Unminable, you now can mine Satama. And when I say mine, I put that in quotes, but you can now request Satama as a payout function. Now, the, I think the payout threshold is too darn high. It's like 700 million Satama, which is roughly about 50 bucks, 60 bucks. So, you're, you know, if you're on a GPU like I'm on a RTX 2080, you know, you might make $3 a day in mining. So you're going to be there forever. However, if you don't need the mining for anything else, one thing you might consider doing if you believe in Satama is just to mine the Satama and just let it run because by the time you're able to hit that, it, it estimates about a month, maybe two to hit a couple billion in the Satama. Well, at that point, you could get a good, pretty decent side bag because when I still believe it's going to skyrocket in Q1 and you would not have had to pay out of pocket other than your electric bill that you might be already paying if it's your gaming, gaming PC. So if you're on Unminable, just know that Satama is available for that. I haven't checked pro hashing because I think they're a bunch of jerks, but I, I it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but if you do buy Satama straight, that's fine. Or if you don't use Unminable, that's fine too. It's for people who are on Unminable and, and are in Satama or are interested in Satama and didn't want to pay for it. Possibly you can mine it and then you don't have to pay out of pocket for that. That's all I got for you today. Uh, I am going to get back on this stupidity. And like I said, check in tomorrow. I'll probably have an update tomorrow. I doubt I'll do one in the afternoon unless something dramatic happens and I'll cram one in there. But as far as I can tell, I'm good for today. And, you know, as far as our government, United States government, I, there's, I suspect we're going to have some more movements because of the tornadoes that are going to increase people's taxes. And the reason I'm throwing this in, sneaking this in is because it's the reason why I'm so adamant about crypto and why I support it so much is for people to start getting independently wealthy where you can and, of course, be smart about it. And I think Q1 is going to be really telling as to all of these different tokens I talked about and the exchanges and all the laws that I expect are coming. So if, if you are a subscriber, I appreciate you. Please do share the word to others if you found this helpful, you personally please do share the word to others that you are aware of that the podcast is here and the kind of information they can find. And even if you go, if you go to the link dot link tr dot ee slash Leisteridge link and you go to Spotify, it lets them sample the podcast. So if they're not sure themselves, they can sample it without committing to anything, but 
please do share the word if this is helpful because as many people as we can reach to try to offset the damage that's coming, I think that's that helps everybody and it helps you because the more people that are educated about this stuff and make smart investments, the more we all win and who doesn't want that?